Welcome to the REI Foundation Podcast, where we cover all the steps and strategies to make your real estate dreams a reality. Now your hosts, Jason and Peely. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the REI Foundation Podcast with Jason and Peely. Welcome. Um, today, we're going to welcome Nick Rathel. Did I say that right, Nick? Yes, you sure did. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so bad at that. And it, it, it goes across like all these other podcasts that we've done. It's crazy. Anyway, we're here with Nick Rathel, and he is the creator of the Seven Hour Book. Welcome, Nick. Thank you, Peely. It's great to be here. And thanks to you as well, Jason. Can't wait yes. to share. This is great. We're really excited to have you on the show today. Really excited to uh, hear what you have going on here and how it can help enhance others out there that are looking to delve further into either investing in real estate or helping others by providing others with more information in a pretty quick timeline. So give us a little bit of your background. Why did you create the seven hour book? And for everybody that's listening out there, the seven hour book is not actually a book. It's a process. So maybe you can describe that. (laughs) Sure. Happy to. So the seven hour book really, the way it came about, I think the best place to start is just sort of clarify a little bit what it is. You were mentioning Peely that it's not a book. And of course, It is not. You're not going to find the seven-hour book on Amazon, but you will find books that we've done helping people with. Those are going to be on Amazon. So the seven-hour book, the idea is that someone, for example, who is in REI, who's investing in real estate, flipping houses, helping with multifamily properties, doing any other sort of real estate investing, they can they can really get a leg up from their competitors. They can build their authority and they can shorten and shortcut the process of attracting investors, helping investors get to know them better and faster through having a book. And we allow them to do that in just seven hours of their time talking to us over Skype. That's it. Seven hours. How, how do you write a book in seven hours? Now, I'm, well, sure, I'm sure you have a lot of training and a, and a lot of stats you've, you've put together and compiled. So is this literally one seven hour go for it and knock it all out of the books? Or is this actually compiled in maybe a couple different weeks of an hour here, an hour there? You hit the nail right on the head, Jason, with that second one. Okay. It, no, it's, I don't think... I don't think anyone, maybe someone crazy like Tony Robbins, who speaks for 10, you know, 24 hours on end, you know, amped up on caffeine drinks, maybe he could go for seven straight hours. But no, this is one hour or sometimes two spaced out in multiple sessions to help the person who we're working with have time to think. And then I think as well, it's important to brush on the fact that on our end, creating the book in between the calls and doing the other work, we're spending on our end a whole lot more than just seven hours to actually create it. It's merely that the person we're working with, they only have to spend seven hours of their time on these calls. Got it. Wow. Where did this idea come from? 
the idea came really from sort of a combination of two ideas. The first being you look around, especially in an industry like a field like real estate investing, you need to somehow stand out. You need to somehow find a way to prove that you're credible, that if people are going to invest with you, especially in syndication deals, that they can trust you and that you've been around and demonstrate your experience. So really that credibility standpoint was one of the factors. And then the other one, and this is a little bit more offbeat, but it's thinking about productivity, thinking about time management and the idea of how do you shortcut things? How do you make things that often take months, sometimes even a year or more? How do you make those more efficient? How do you shortcut that process so you can enjoy the same benefits with less time, with less headache, with less exertion, and make it easier for people? So when you put those two together, that's, that's where we're beginning to come up with and think of a system like this. That's great. That's amazing. You've systematized writing a book. That's, I mean, that I, I don't know why more, especially that, like people like us in the real estate industry, like say, say we, we wanted to write a book called the REI Foundation. Could you help us do that? And how would you do that? Well, as with anyone who we talk to for a book, it begins with that initial conversation. And just getting a sense for your time, because sometimes people, believe it or not, don't have seven hours that they can do for something like this. Or maybe they're in the middle of something, closing many different deals. So it really begins with just figuring out if it's a good fit for them and if it makes sense for them. And sometimes, and I want to add this too, sometimes people think they need a book, but it turns out, you know what? We just need to send out more postcards to our high net worth clients and our high net worth prospects. So a book, I do want to preface and say that a book is not always the answer. It's not a silver bullet, but for the right people and for people who know and are clear on why they want it and why it can help them, then it can be very powerful. And that's when we might be able to help them. So are you a writer yourself? I come from that background, yeah. Okay. And I've always, I've always been interested really in just books because even today, I mean, we're recording right now a podcast. Even today with podcasts, with YouTube, with all of this media, books still have just sort of a magic to them. And it might sound kind of silly to talk about magic, but it's the sort of thing that even when a lot of the magic and you lose a lot of the magic with childhood and that's gone. And that's you know, not necessarily a good or a bad thing, but you lose a lot of that magic. The magic of books and the magic of that form of media really can continue no matter how old you are. Huey's an avid reader and uh, <laughs> you, you sound like her right now. She, she really, she loves books and she loves the, uh, the feel of the book and uh, um, it's been taken away a lot with the, uh, I guess the transfer over to tablet. So yeah. Well, just I, having I just having that in your hand, like not even, not only in the book. I mean, you can read a book on a tablet now on your iPhone, um, but 
you're right. There's something magical about deep diving into a book, whether it be a fiction, nonfiction, autobiography, a book on, I don't know, writing a book. <laughs> there's, there's something magical about the written word. And I mean, what you have here is a great system. So I, I have an idea here because you are looking to invest in real estate. You're not actively investing in real estate, but you said it's, it's an when, not an if, which is great because that, that you're, you're basically, you are a lot of our, our listeners. You're, you're, you're someone who's going to do it and you're trying to find the steps that you're going to take and basically put your platform together. And you've systemized this book process here, which is incredible. And that can carry over to a lot of real estate businesses. It's something we're working on right now. How do we systemize our real estate business to make it more efficient, have less lag time, everything else. And that's what you've done with the books. Um, I, I know you cover a lot of spaces with your books, but now you've done a number of real estate books uh, from, from our talks. Has there been some points, some things you've heard that have really stood out to you that, that really you said, well, wow, that, that's just a great point. Well, I would ask you in terms of the point, it's uh, what context are you, Thinking from an REI standpoint, from, sure. writing yeah. Standpoint. Yeah. from like yeah. an REI standpoint, you've actually talked to a lot of investors. So what's like some commonality within all these investors that you've talked to for people who are trying to get into, into real estate like yourself? Like how, how would you start? How would I start? Goodness. Yes. I would, well... I would, of course, think of ownership as much as possible, trying to get in with as much equity as I could at the beginning and really trying to own something outright as opposed to necessarily going the mortgage route. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong, of course, with you know, having a bank involved at the beginning. But uh, you know, I think if I had a chunk of change, for example, or if I was in a position where it made sense to potentially push my time frame a little bit further, I would probably save up so as to have 100% equity going in. Amazing. Amazing. Is there a specific asset, you know, whether it's a commercial property, a large multifamily residential property, something that when you've written these books that really clicks home with you? Yeah, I think to a, to a continuing degree, multifamily and multifamily whether we're talking a duplex, a triplex. Uh, actually, this might astound some of your uh, listeners, but a triplex was how Arnold Schwarzenegger started. And it's, it's pretty well documented that yep. his triplex, which I believe was in Santa Monica, which is a section of Los Angeles, his triplex in Santa Monica was the start of his REI career, which eventually made him a millionaire long before he was a millionaire from acting, certainly before the governor days. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so he was actually a very successful REI guy before any of that. That's right. You're 100% right. I love me some Arnie. He's the, he's the man. So he, uh, <laughs> he, he had a great story. I think he was a, he, he was a bricklayer. And uh, he, he, him and um, one of the other guys, I think it was... Uh, Whoever um, I'm blanking on his name, but they they were uh, packing themselves as the European bricklayers because everybody in LA wanted it, that European guy to, to do uh, their bricklaying, and he just had a whole other market for it. He's he's amazing. So yeah, and I would I would also add that anyone who's in need of sort of um, 
a pump up, if you will, or motivation, or just the sense that potentially you can dream and you can do more than you are right now, certainly check out Arnold Schwarzenegger because he's not, he's not really toted as a Tony Robbins type or or really a motivational guy, but he has a couple, not a, not too many, but a couple of extended speeches he's given that certainly can help you to um, to think bigger and to believe a lot more in your own potential. Now right. We all need a little bit more of that in our life. That's right. More potential, more thinking bigger. Yeah, positive reinforcement. It's a big impact in our life. And uh, we, we don't want to sidetrack too far because we'll talk Arnold Schwarzenegger for another <laughs> hour. So we, we, we do want to follow back with you on, on, on your process here because this is a hurdle for us right now. We're in the part of, okay, we're systemizing our business. We see other people around us doing this. We're trying to trying to find out the key pieces that we're missing that's going to make it better for us. If you could go back and start your process over, how did you take step one into systemizing this uh, book creation process? Sure. Step one is to determine, as Peter Drucker says, uh, to measure everything. And so from a book and a content and copy and publishing perspective, you need to determine how long everything takes. And with that, it really thinking in terms of time. So, you know, is it going to take you, for example, a few months to do something? Is a particular piece or a chapter going to take you just from average results, having done it quite a few times, are you finding that it takes you X amount of time? And once you begin to be able to measure and to know and to predict how long it's going to take you to do each of the pieces, then you can have a standpoint and a frame of reference to put them together. And I should probably back up as well, even even a step before that, by determining everything that you need, sort of, it's sort of like when you walk into, well, when you walk into a shed where you keep your tools, or even you open up a toolbox, before you're even going to rifle through it and try to find something, you need to know what's in there. You need to know what tools you're working with. Or another example, you guys mentioned just a second before, Jason, you, you, you believe you said bricklaying. If you're going to lay a brick, you need to know, is that the only task involved? Or is laying a brick part of building something bigger, which involves other tasks and other steps? So you need to know all of those parts and all of those pieces. So you can then do that second step of timing them, figuring out how much effort, how much exertion is required in each of those components. So then once you know that those first two, what's involved, you have the second part down, what the measurements are, whether that's the length of time or the amount of exertion. Once you know those things, then you can begin to figure out how to systemize that, doing it more efficiently, figuring out, all right, this is how it normally works, but if I shave this off, it's still going to be good quality. It's still going to be solid quality, but maybe we can save a little bit of time here 
save a little bit of time there, you can begin to sort of refine and fine tune to really bring it up to where it can be as a working sustainable system. That's great. Wow. That's great. In, in regards to, we can go a couple of ways. So I'm going to, I'm going to pick one here. You, you've done, I don't know privacy rights. If you're able to go, go and talk about it. You, you've done a number of books now for real estate investors who have put them out there. I'm, I'm assuming um, we've talked about a few of them. Do, are, are there any books that, that would be a good representation of the process that, that you would like for some of the listeners to maybe check out? Well, I mean, we definitely are very, very adamant in respecting our authors and sure. really letting them stand out in front of their books. Uh, I, I actually think, and I've always thought, it's sort of a contradiction in some respects that uh, so-called ghostwriters always, I mean, we're not, just to be clear, we're not a ghostwriting service. We're not a pure ghostwriter at all in that we really get into the marketing side of things as opposed to just making words sound pretty. But <laughs> my, my point, and I'm, I'm not, no disrespect to the English majors, no you know, disrespect to the genuine writers, because many of them really are artists and doing great service. But uh, we approach it much more from the standpoint of how are these words really going to make an impact on ROI, the bottom line. But that being said, and that's a little bit of a tangent, I realize, but that being said, it's always seemed kind of strange to me that ghost writers try to be very visible and oftentimes don't let the writer or don't let the person who they've done the book for take the credit. So that's, that's always been kind of strange to me. We try to, we try to let our authors be authors. Okay, no, I, I get that. I understand you're trying to let the let your authors take um, take authorship over their books, and I we really respect that. Um, so, say we wanted to, I see that you have you can do we can do a, like a complimentary twenty minute call with you. So, say I wanted to write a book on my company, I could give you a call. How would that call sound like? Well, we'd connect over the phone or over Skype, pretty flexible with either of those platforms. And the call really begins with just getting a sense for a couple of things, getting a sense for what the process is. So we'd explain to someone in a little bit more detail how it works, what's involved, and really what they would expect if they did end up working with us. We'd also talk to them in a way that's very, very customized just to get a sense for their own needs, get a sense for their book idea, get a sense for their availability and their time, and get a sense ultimately for what is really, if you think about it, the most important thing, which is why they want a book in the first place, what it is that they're looking to achieve and accomplish by having a book. Because it goes back to what I was mentioning a little bit earlier, which is that oftentimes people will hear, they'll listen to a podcast, for example, like this one, and they'll get the word book in their head. And so they'll, they'll just be thinking book, book, book. And again, sometimes a book isn't really what they need. So on any call that we would do, we'd want to get clear with them on why it is that they thought of books specifically was the thing and what they were looking to achieve. We would 
as that TED talk says, we would start with why and go from there. Okay, great. And uh, in terms of this, would would you like to talk a little bit about uh, structure? Is there a, is there a, I, I don't know the, the best way to package this, but price-wise, if you talk price structure with people, is there a certain context, different platforms that people can sign up for if they were interested in doing this project and going forward and creating a book for their their intended space? You know, it really does vary. I mean, it's, yeah, it's it, it definitely varies. Uh, it's the sort of thing that in talking with someone and then in helping them, after that to really get a sense for what their book would end up being like, we'd come to a better understanding and be able to answer that question a whole lot better. Okay. Fantastic. So I want to take a little bit different direction here since we're, I'm going to call you the, uh, you, you are representing a lot of our viewers out there who are just trying to take their first step in there. Uh, and, and a lot of our point is setting up our foundation where you've set up your process with, with the seven hour book where would you see yourself in five years in regards to real estate? You were talking that this is a when, not an if. Have you thought about that point and can you put any context to it? Sure. Well, I, I wish I had at this point a five-year plan, as they say. But I think to answer your question on a broader level, it would probably be in five years substantially more educated, substantially more experienced, and substantially more knowledgeable. And to the point where I'd be able to come on a show like this and talk not only from the book standpoint, but also Jason, you and I, Peely, you and I, we could we could really, you know, kind of go at it, if you will, not in a bad way, but go at it and really Live it up and dish it up with real estate lingo, real estate vocabulary, and really talk shop. I mean, that's the position where I want to get to, to where I can talk to experienced investors like you guys and not just be talking about books and sort of that process, but really go beyond and be talking about deals, be talking about where the market's headed, be talking about those kind of things. And so be sharing on a show like this, not only the book and the authority and the credibility process, but also insights and pieces of value for the listeners that they, who are just starting off, that they can use as they become serious REI and serious investors like that. So that it's sort of getting back and what's the expression? Helping to helping them to see further because they can then stand on the shoulders of giants as I'm doing right now. That's great. Yeah. That's great. Hey. It's funny that you said that because uh, we were just, we uh, just sponsored our first uh, multifamily meetup. And at the meetup, I told a newer investor, you know, first step was to come to the meetup and go and get yourself out there and get educated. The second thing I said was open a book. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, so, I mean, for the for the listeners out there, I mean, we're really pushing the fact that you should get yourself educated, open a book, and I know if you're just starting out, you're probably thinking, "Oh, I'm not, I'm not at the place where I can write a book about real estate." 
you know, you never know when you're going to get there. And we, this might be a, yeah, a we've good talked step to, to what, take. two people in the last couple of days who uh, had 16 or 18 month points going from first property to now 30 properties, 30 properties, 40 properties months. in a year, you know, 20 properties in a month. And just because they set that system in place, uh, I was going to ask a general question for us as usually, what, what are some of the vital pieces for someone who's looking to get into real estate to start? But I, th I think a better context of the question is being that you're an entrepreneur who started up the seven hour book. And, and for people out there, maybe a good question would be, how did you cross that threshold of fear to be able to start this platform? And I think this would be good for a lot of people trying to jump into real estate because a lot of people are just worried about that first step, worried about maybe making a mistake. Well, how did you build up the courage or build up the mindset to be able to jump in and say, this is something that I know people need and I'm going to fill this niche? It's difficult. It always is. And you're right, Jason you have to cross that threshold. You have to do it. And it's so easy to look on, well, I'm looking at one right now, a Nike shoebox that says, just do it. It's so easy to hear that. But it's, it's a whole other thing to face that expanse and look and to realize you've got to do it. But there comes, there really comes a point when you just deep inside, you know you have to do something. And part of the trick, and maybe you call it a trick, maybe you call it you know, a method, but part of it, whatever it is, is to just understand that you're going to feel a whole lot better once you've taken that first step and once you're in the flow and going with it. So it's a matter of just turning off or short-circuiting or whatever you have to, but just getting that little voice and that fear, whatever it is, getting it to shut up or getting it to stop nagging at you and just do it. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. And that's exactly you're right. It's just about taking action and we love to get educated. We're constantly trying to learn. We're constantly trying to improve ourselves, but you can read forever. You can follow, listen to podcasts. You can sit here, listen to all the great podcasts out there, learn it ton of great things and never get any work. You're not taking action. So yes, you're right. You have to get out there, take action. You're going to mess up at some point. Hey, that's fine. Everybody messes up. Maybe you wanted to get up early today and you didn't. Well, okay. So what? I mean, the world didn't end. So take your action, little steps, put them in motion and go for it. That's great advice. Thank you. So well, I would like to go ahead. I, I would like to add actually a couple of points on that. What you were just sure. saying with that, Jason, uh, first off, I mean, I think you totally nailed it with that idea of you can only, you can only, you know, consume so much media. I mean, it's, it really is just so true that yeah. as they say, you can only inhale so much before you must exhale. Yeah. You know, you, you can only take in so much like that. And yeah, I mean, you just have to, just have to get off the fence and realize that again, as you were saying that it's not going to necessarily be perfect the first time. And I heard a great quote, uh, Stallone, Sylvester Stallone, talking about the writing process. And he, when he's doing a screenplay or he's doing one of his movies like that, he compares the initial rough cuts of it to a child scribbling, where you realize that 80% of it, maybe, maybe better, but 80% of it, I guess, in his case, isn't 
going to be perfect the first time. But then you get to the revisions, which are always, always more fun because you've done it. You've gotten in there and then you get to refine it and really cut it down to bring out, hopefully, a masterpiece. Love it. Love awesome. it. Yeah, I, I've heard him talk and uh, another another incredible point. I think we're listening to the same stuff. That's awesome. <laughs> so we like to ask all of our uh, guests um, a few cu- a couple of uh, questions. And the first being is, what is your why? Why do you do this? Okay. My why. That's a good What's one. Your big That's why? A, uh, my big why. I think I think there's two components. Part of the big why is still in progress. And I think it's evolving over time. But right now, at the moment, my why is educating people. And when I say educating, I mean in a couple of ways. First, educating people that they can do more and that they can achieve more and have more, whether that's having their own book or entering, for example, in a field like REI, that they can just do more and they can really, as we were just saying, take that first step if they want to and really become something bigger. So I think that that's part of education. I think also education in the sense of finding shortcuts and not shortcuts in the sense of rushing or being hasty, but shortcuts, meaningful shortcuts to cut down a process like doing a book and take it from being this intimidating, scary process to something that's very easy to understand, almost almost bite-sized, if you will. So really educating people on that front. And then I would, I guess I would also add, given how positive some of our conversation has been so far with the, talking about Arnold inspiration, Sylvester Stallone inspiration, helping people to just kind of have a little more faith in themselves and to understand that you, the listener, and all of us really have a lot more going for us and a lot more energy and sort of juice, if you will, than we give ourselves credit for oftentimes. You know, we're very, very quick to undervalue ourselves when really corny as it sounds, as many times as you've heard it, it never hurts to hear it again. But just give yourself some credit. See yourself with kind eyes, as they say. You know, don't be necessarily so judgmental. I mean, you do want to hold yourself, of course, to a high standard, always go that extra mile. But as you were saying, Jason, you know, if you don't get up on time as you plan to this morning, see yourself with kind eyes, give yourself that break, that understanding and recognize that you'll do better. That's great. <laughs> Thank you for that. You yeah. just spoke directly to me. <laughs> <laughs> where, where were you at about 7.30 this morning. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you so much for everything, Nick. This has been, this has actually been very, very mind opening. It's, it's, it was great to yeah, talk it's to you. It's definitely refreshing. We, we really uh, love all the inspirational pushes here. And uh, we do like to get two other things. Do you have a morning routine that, that helps you get your uh, 
mind state correct. Yeah. Talking, talking about mornings. Sure. Absolutely. And I think that, uh, I think that all of us really should focus on that first, if we can, that first say 30 minutes, I forget scientifically what they say, but it's something like the first 30 minutes to one hour after you get up is really that point when your brain is getting, getting adapted and acclimated for the day. It's one of the most important periods. So in terms of kind of a ritual and a routine, one of the big things I do that, that I think is very underrated, surprisingly, but it's one of those things that's very easy to just neglect, is being hydrated. So when I first get up, I drink quite a bit of water. I make sure that I'm drinking at least half a liter to a liter of water. Because while you are asleep, believe it or not, your body, even when it's not necessarily a hot night, but your body tends to lose a lot of water. So it's very important in the morning, especially when you first get up, to hydrate yourself. And hydrate yourself too throughout the day, but especially when you first get up. So that's going to be a fundamental aspect of what I'm doing. Then beyond that, I'm going to be getting into motion through exercise. I happen to be a runner. I know, Jason, if I saw correctly on your website, you do some running as well. Is that right? I do. I do. I, uh, it's definitely part of my week every week. It, it allows me to uh, get a lot of the excess energy out and uh, definitely helps me start my mornings. And Peely, what about you? Are you also doing any kind of running or other exercise of that sort? I'm getting back into running. I'm actually, Jason and I are actually doing the Honolulu Marathon in December. Um, Jason's actually doing the marathon. I'm doing the 10K. Um, But it's a huge accomplishment because this would be the longest run that Peely is is going to accomplish. So this is something that I'm so proud of her for because she has been taking the steps to just... You don't have to, you don't just jump up and run a marathon, right? You don't just jump up and run at 10K. So she's been taking the steps, getting up and running a quarter mile. And now it's moving up to uh, three quarters of a mile. Then it's a mile. And now the other day it was a mile and a half. Then it was a mile, three quarters. And Before children, I was doing 13 miles. Well, yeah. <laughs> so I'll but, get back you know, there. But you had to run for a while. So now we're slowly building ourselves back up. But and, uh, back to you, Nick. Yeah. <laughs> Past running, what else do you do in your mornings? Sure running or any kind of physical activity, uh, going to the gym on some days, doing abdominals, sit-ups, crunches, push-ups. Those are also important because really you're conditioning your mind and that, that motion gets your mind in gear. It sort of creates energy. And when you think about it, what is emotion but energy of motion? So that's why the motion in the morning is very important. Uh, I think also other things that are important are journaling or some sort of note-taking. And I'm certainly not the first person to suggest that, Mm -hmm. Uh, but having some sort of part of your morning where you get out a pen and paper, I suppose you could do it with a Kindle or a tablet, but handwriting in particular, they say, does and activates a part of your brain that causes you to think differently. So I'm, I, I take a good portion of my morning right at the beginning to jot down ideas, jot down notes, and of course, plan the day. In fact, and I would encourage anyone listening to this to do it, plan your day 
the night before yep. so that your brain is working while you sleep. And especially when you first get up too, to get a good handle on what you're doing that day. I love that. That's, uh, that's key. I, I know my mornings uh, very easily can get side railed with a uh, number of different things we have going on. And mm-hmm. so that, that's so important. If you don't have some guidance that you prepare for when you get up, you can be lost by 730 in the morning, going in so many different directions that you didn't even have a chance to plan your day. So that's great. Thank you. Well, before we let you go, Nick, we have two more questions. What are some words that you live by? Words that I live by? That's a, that's a great question. I think one of the ones that has been very instrumental for me is the idea that there is always a way. Or that, to put it another way, there is always a way to open any door. And I think that, for example, thinking about REI, if you're in the process, as I am, hopefully, of getting into that field, there is a way to open that door, whether it begins with getting a sense of the industry, helping people with their books, as we do, or whether someone who's listening to this is stocking up and stockpiling episodes of your guys' show and using it really as a foundation to educate themselves or they're going to meetups like the ones that you guys the one you guys just put on there is always a way to open that door and to get yourself in a position where you can take that first step which builds to other steps so i think that's a very important concept for people to always keep in mind there's always a way and as a corollary to that the idea as well that And I think, I forget who you can trace this quote to, but that the problem is not having enough resources. The issue is that you're not being resourceful enough, that you're not repurposing and repackaging and reusing in a better way what you already have. So that's why I would say that while there is, while it's very important to, of course, think of doing more, think of... 10xing, as everyone says, often it's just as important and even more important to think not 10x, but think 10 to the x. So think exponentially. What is it being at 10? You can then go to the x, 10 to the x, and grow in an exponential way, in a completely new angle, instead of just trying to multiply over and over again what you have. Wow. Well, talk about growing exponentially. I mean, just your system, writing a book in seven hours, you can, as a business, grow exponentially just by having this. So, wow. Thank you. Talk about being resourceful. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. Would you be able to give us the best way to find you if our listeners are looking to get out and utilize your your resource? Where's the best way to reach you and contact you? Sure. That would begin by going to our website, which is www.contentcore.net. So it's C-O-N-T-E-N-T-C-O-R-P-S dot N-E-T, contentcore.net. So go on there, fill out our contact form if you're interested, and we potentially go from there. That's amazing. Great. 
Well, Nick, it was great to learn more about you. And uh, we, we really enjoyed this talk today. And yes. uh, this was great. So. It's been a pleasure being here, you guys. And just thank you for all the good work you're doing with this show. You know, uh, really helping people to understand that REI, just as on our end with books, REI is not, it doesn't have to be this intimidating monster, if you will, or this huge unknown. But it can be very easy to understand and to take that first step and get into. And I think your podcast does a great job of really showing that to people. So thank you. Thank, thank you. Thank you so much, yeah. Nick. Well, this is the REI Foundation with Jason and Peely. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Talk to you later. Bye now. Hi, everybody. Peely here from the REI Foundation podcast. Looking to rev up your wholesaling or house flipping business? Go now to houseflippinghq.com. Jason and I are part of a house flipping family, a community created by Justin Williams. Would we be where we are without him and without his community and his mentors? Probably not. Justin and his team basically handed us personalized shortcuts and exact strategies that have made us explode in today's market. So if you're looking to take the next step, go to houseflippinghq.com right now. Again, this is Peely from the REI Foundation podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and we are so grateful for you. Have a great day. Bye. Thanks for tuning into the REI Foundation podcast. Check back next time for more awesome tips and strategies to launch your new you in real estate.